Looking for a great new thriller? Check out Conundrum Publishing. We publish books that make you think. From mind-bending thrillers to heart-wrenching dramatic action-adventure novels, our books will keep you up all night, turning the pages eager to find out what happens next. So, what are you waiting for? Head over to conundrumpub.com str for three totally free thrillers. You won't be disappointed. Again, three full-length action thrillers totally free at conundrumpub.com str. You have somehow ended up listening to the stuff that's real that you didn't know was real but also is cool podcast or sturdy dick were bayek or uh never mind Welcome back, nerds and writers galore. We're so glad that you're with us. As the friendly man at the beginning of the episode said, this is the Stuff That's Real podcast, and you don't need to know anything else about it, because I guarantee you're in the right place. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, continue listening. This is where you want to be, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Nick Thacker. I'm here with my buddy, Kevin Tomlinson, and together we form the hosting squad and entire team of the stuff that's real that you didn't know was real, but also is cool podcast. And our powers combined, our powers combined. And I got to tell you, man, I can't even wait. I think we should just immediately roll right into this episode because there's just some really tasteful things we're going to be talking about today. Tasty, tasty, tasty things that I think will blow your mind. So without further ado, do you want to kick us off today or you want me to jump in first? Yeah, I can. Okay. So, Listeners of this show know that we are continuously geeky fans of uh, underground caverns and chambers and secret rooms and uh, that sort of thing. We're also fond of sort of alternate reality ideas, theories, right? And we've talked a lot about things like, you know, last Thursdayism, you know, the idea that we all popped into existence just last Thursday, history intact, all that stuff. We've talked a little bit about alternate realities and all the ways that could potentially be real. But this one is a favorite of mine, and it's one that I think doesn't get as much press. It gets overshadowed by its, we're going to say its more embraced sibling. (laughs) But we're going to talk about the hollow earth theory. And I've shared an article for this, but I actually have found so many things. This is probably not even the most interesting article I found. One of the more interesting things I found was a YouTube clip of ancient aliens where they kind of dug in on this topic. But the idea here, it's a little bit like the flat earth theory where there's an entire society of people who think that the earth is flat. They believe it and no evidence to the contrary can convince them because it's all a big, huge conspiracy to convince everyone that the earth is a globe. Those folks might actually come into conflict with the hollow earth society who believe that the Earth is actually a sort of hollowed-out sphere. So it is round, but below the surface of the Earth, by about 800 miles, it's like a whole new Earth, a whole different version of Earth. And there are a lot of theories here. Some of them believe that there's sort of concentric circles. So 
the closer you get to the core of the earth, the more of these circles you go through. And I'll talk a bit about that in a minute. And then some believe it's just a sort of hollowed out, like, you know, sort of maybe like a Christmas tree ornament. You know, it's you're we're on the outside, but on the inside is an open space with a sun at its center. So now there's a lot of interesting things kind of tied to this. This whole theory goes way, way back to like the 1800s where people were, you know, discussing the idea that at either pole of the earth, there's a giant hole that goes into the interior. Hmm. If you kind of think about it, it's like a bead, right? So if you had like a bead on a necklace, so you'd have the sphere and then there'd be these holes and they would meet in the middle, you know, so it goes all the way through. And the reason we don't know that this is there or that we um, haven't sailed into it and fallen off the edge or something is that as you get closer to that edge and it starts to round inward, you just continue over, as the article says, like an ant crawling on the surface of something that just folds under. Gravity continues to function and pull you, quote, downward. So you never notice that you're actually going into the interior of the earth. And the article actually says that people who question, like, why haven't airplanes seen this giant hole? And it says that they are actually fooled by their compasses because the magnetic poles continue around into the interior. And so the physical poles of the earth, we never actually see them. We just, as you're flying, and because the Earth is a much greater mass than you are, you just end up flying into the interior of the Earth thinking that you're on the exterior. And because wow. there's a sun and all these you know, clouds and you know, all that stuff is still intact within, you never notice. So that's one of the more infuriating kind of conspiracy theories floating <laughs> around because they do that with flat Earth as well. And because you can never disprove it because... Right. There's always some caveat, you know? Right. But the idea is pretty astonishing. And I, so the article says, and I re- heard some other things about this, that it's, it originated as early as the early 1800s by John Sims, who was an American who uh, studied all these things. And he believed that it was concentric shells. But we've had, you know, some prominent members of our military in the United States going back into that era not only believed this, but claimed that they had seen this phenomenon, had it been within the interior of the earth, and had come out to reveal it to the world, only to be told to keep it quiet. But there are people who believe that there are advanced cultures, or an advanced culture at least, living within the earth, and that is where the UFO sightings originate. So it's a much more advanced civilization than we are. And they emerge from the earth at the poles in their flying saucers, usually actual flying saucers, people claim. And then they get out into the world and abduct people or whatever they need to do to study us. And there are theories that one of the reasons that happens is that we're making such a ruckus up here and we've got nuclear weapons and we've got we're contaminating the oceans and the soil and that stuff is slowly trickling down into the interior of the earth and causing issues for the inner society. So Mm. it's an interesting theory. I love it as a theory. (laughs) I love it as a concept because I think it's fun. I think it's a fun science fiction theory. Yeah. With a loose emphasis on the word science. Yeah. 
I think that's all I will say about that. I mean, this, no, this is fun. This is a good one. I've heard of this one. I don't think I knew the concept of the bead analogy, but that's a perfect way of putting it. It makes perfect yeah. sense. Then you can visualize it. But yeah, when you start having to like do some mental and verbal gymnastics to explain how when you're just can, well, you just keep walking and you kind of fold over and then all of a sudden gravity, I get a little bit like, all right, you know what? You know what makes a lot of sense is, is, is classical Newtonian physics and even Einsteinian physics explaining how orbs change yeah. space time. And so I'm kind of of the belief that the earth is just a sphere floating yeah. around in space in the ether. I'm not saying it's not a sphere, but <laughs> I am saying there is a possibility of being flat or being hollow or whatever. Those things are not entirely implausible. And so that's why these theories hold weight. But I think they're implausible. They're not I'm implausible. I disagree with you. I'm going to disagree with you. <laughs> they're not implausible. If, in fact, if you study electromagnetics, if you study an electromagnetic field, the shape that they're talking about could more or less be called a torus, okay, which is sort of oh, a – Yeah, exactly. You know, and it's got oh. a gap in the middle. So if you make a magnet from a torus, the magnetic field actually does follow the contours of the, of the whatever the – material you use so it, it's in that shape right it's like a donut okay donut. so there would be a center where there was no magnetic field uh, in a torus that's what i'm using to justify the idea that it could be plausible but whatever what's interesting though is that the concept of a hollow earth and especially the concept of one made of concentric circles has appeared throughout our history and in mythology because every mythology has um, a netherworld or an underworld, right? And it's usually layers. So even uh, Dante's Inferno is structured this way. Actually, it's uh, Dante's uh, Divine Comedy. Yeah. The Inferno is just one part of it. But, right. you know, as you're moving into the Inferno, you're going through those levels of hell, basically, right? Purgatory and so forth, all the way down to the ninth layer well other mythologies have the same thing you know egyptian mythology greek mythology i mean there's a lot of conversation out there in history and mythology about even in here in the americas from disparate cultures that had nothing to do with european and asian cultures for thousands of years there are stories of entering the earth and uh discovering new world after new world in layers the deeper you go into the earth and that there are advanced beings who live there. Some of the gods of the Mayans and Aztecs come from below the earth and they're not always gods of death the way we tend to think of it. You know, sometimes they are creator gods or something along those lines. So the concept is not new in any stretch and you know, it's even older than the 1800s. Now the idea that there could be, caverns or something under the north and south poles in the arctic and antarctic that lead to vast chambers that might actually have vegetation and other life that we've never encountered there's some scientific foundation to that idea for sure i mean they're actually discovering pockets of that sort of thing in the antarctic so it's not entirely implausible it just may not be entirely what everyone thinks <laughs> gotcha Oh, okay. I mean, that's that's fair. That's fair. I mean, you wouldn't be talking about it if it wasn't real. So, exactly, yeah, podcast, right? So now, you wouldn't be lying course, to all of our listeners. Now, like most of my topics, the topic is real, <laughs> right? <Exactly. laughs> Whether or not the subject of the topic is real is 
up for some debate. But I feel like one of the ways that you gauge whether or not testimony, eyewitness testimony is accurate, is corroborating it between different witnesses Mm -hmm. to see what facts emerge in common. Because an individual may witness a car accident and get their own perspective on what happened there. But if you ask 20 witnesses what happened, the story starts to emerge and you can start to filter out, you know, what is just pure speculation and what is potentially fact. So the fact that there are so many references to this throughout history and mythology that have so many elements in common speaks volumes as to there being something, whether or not it's that the entire earth is like a, you know, a hollow eggshell is uh, completely irrelevant, really, because there could still be some culture or society underground in different regions of the, the world that we don't know about. And we know, in fact, that even here in the United States, there are caverns that have life in them and people do have traditionally lived in caves and cavern systems. So who's to say there wasn't a culture in Antarctica to survive the coming cold as the global climate shifted, went underground and stayed there? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we talked about this last week, but there's a book by Jeff Long called, I think it's The Descent. I don't think it's just The Descent. Descent. Yeah. Where he, I mean, that's the whole, the whole premise is the humans evolved in two different trajectories and one branch went underground and then showed up again, you know, thousands of years later. And it's terrifying, but you know, he makes it plausible enough that you're like, oh shit. Okay. I guess this could actually happen. You know? Well, I mean, think about how often that theme has come up, by the way, like even HG Wells in his book, the time machine, there was the Morlocks, right? They were a splinter of humanity that went underground and became cannibalistic and, you know, would prey on the, I forget the name of the people on the surface, but, you know, they would go after them and eat them. (laughs) Yep. Which is interesting because you hear mythologies, especially in um, like the Appalachian area here in the U.S., there are lots and lots of stories of these creatures that live in the caverns and caves in that mountain range who come out at night and abduct animals and people for food. There's a whole legend. And, yeah, uh, that, that's not real. as implausible as it. <laughs> suddenly, it's much more plausible. But yeah, yeah. those are cannibalistic hillbillies that live <laughs> in, over by Ernie Dempsey. Exactly. Well, that's good. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to be poking holes in your theory. There, Poke all the holes. What's the point? <laughs> but the, the earth has poked its own hole, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. It's fun stuff. It's definitely easy to say it, to dismiss it, you know. Yes, yeah, that's uh, probably fair. It's, but it's I, more fun and and more useful for us as thriller authors to not immediately dismiss it and and try to figure out how to make this plausible. Yeah, right. You know, and we write thrillers, which implies that there's a lot of more truth than fiction in some sense, mm-hmm. which isn't always the case. But you know, unlike science fiction, where you kind of know it's all based in something made up, yeah. plausible or not, this is tricky for me. To go there, I guess is my point, because often it's um, too far out there. But but that's the whole point of this exercise. Is if you can stretch, if you can imagine how to make this real, okay, and then you get a book like Jeff Long's, right, which makes it work. Which I did buy after. And the reason we're talking about this today is because of that conversation last week. Right. But I do want to throw one more thing in there, at least one more thing, which is from a biblical standpoint, there are a lot of verses in the Bible that talk about. The whole idea of, you know, with Christ, every knee will bow, that scripture. 
Yeah. It talks about on the earth and under the earth, every knee will bow. So there is, you know, a little bit more. If you're a Christian, (laughs) there's a little more weight to the validity of that idea. Which, and I'm sure has always been explained away as, you know, we've we've buried our dead for a long time in a lot Mm. of civilizations. Um, You know, just people who have already died. But I, I, you're right, because in the same religion, right, in the same breath, we would say, well, you know, we, we bury people, but their souls actually go up to heaven, right? Yeah. And they're not there anymore. So why would you include a scripture that says above and underneath the earth? Yeah. If you don't actually mean there's people under the earth. Ooh, dun, dun, dun. There you go. Plot Oops. twist. Plot twist. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I've got a plot twist for you. All right. Bring it. I just needed a segue. This is something that I am both infatuated and disgusted with and by. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is something interesting. There was a guy, I think it was in the 70s, and somebody, a runner, uh, sorry, a miner and rum runner, not a runner, but a rum runner. Sorry, this was in the 20s. I was going to say, if he's a rum runner, it was probably during Prohibition. So yeah, during the 20s, um, he had his frostbitten toe amputated yeah. in the 1920s. This man is named Louis Lichen, and so Lichen preserved his toe in a jar of alcohol in his cabin for memories, it says. Uh, which I just think is funny. Just he just wanted to keep his toe. Fifty years later, in 1973, uh, up in the Yukon, local captain Captain Dick Stevenson. I think his name is Captain. First name is Captain Dick Stevenson. Found the jar containing the toe while he's cleaning this old guy's cabin. So I think Louis had passed away, and Captain Dick Stevenson found the jar. So he brought the toe down to the sourdough saloon. And what would you do after that, Kevin? But dunk it in the drinks of anyone who wanted to, you know, pay you for it. Exactly. And this became the birth of the Sour Toe Cocktail Club. So this particular toe, unfortunately, only lasted about seven more years after Captain found it. But they wanted to keep the Sour Toe Cocktail Club tradition alive. So in 1980, a miner named Gary Younger was trying for the Sour Toe record. Oh, okay. Wait. So this is how the, the toe disappeared. He was trying for the Sour Toe record on his 13th glass of Sour Toe champagne. His chair tipped over and he swallowed the toe. Yeah, uh, and they were not able to retrieve the toes. Nobody dug around in Gary's poop to find the toe. But not all is lost. Uh, this had become quite the tradition. So toe number two was donated after another amputation because of a corn that was inoperable, which is even more disgusting. Toe number three came from a victim of frostbite. That one was also accidentally swallowed. Toe number four was an anonymous toe later stolen by a hunter. And the fifth and sixth toes were donated by some old guy who was offered free drinks. <laughs> if they gave him <laughs> his toes. Uh, toe number seven was an amputation, again, from diabetes. And toe number eight arrived in a jar of alcohol with the message, don't wear open-toed sandals while mowing the lawn. <laughs> uh, so we're down to, we're up to seven toes. The eighth toe apparently had to be brought in because 2013, a man ordered a sour toe shot, swallowed it on purpose, paid the $500 fine, and then exited the saloon. So this was the first and only time the toe so far, has been deliberately consumed. But as a result, the fine was then increased to $2,500 to, you know, dissuade people from eating toes at their bar, which I'm sure is probably breaking some law by allowing people to consume a human toe. I don't know. In 2017, the toe was also stolen again, and but it was returned by mail to the owner. So that must have been like a, a college dare or something. Yeah. 
So anyway, the rules are simple. The sour toe can pair with any drink. So this saloon will just dip it in uh, whatever. It'll garnish your drink with your yeah, toe. Yeah. But there's one Bring rule. me a Zima with a sour yeah, toe. Zima right? with a sour toe. Yeah, yeah you can yeah. do that. Or you could, I would do an old fashioned <laughs> with a toe. An old fashioned. A, a toe fashioned. But there's one rule that you, that you have to follow. And the, the rule is this. You can drink it fast. You can drink it slow. But the lips have got to touch the toe. Yep. Uh, also, uh, one important note on this website. This is Atlas Obscura, one of our favorites. Yeah. It's no before you go. So this is like setting it up as like a, Hey, you know, go here and eat this food and you'll have a great time. So it's got like this helpful tip here. It says toe time occurs nightly between nine and 11 PM. So I'm assuming that it's like happy hour and then immediately shifts to toe time where you can order your toe drink. Yeah. And I'm assuming there's only one toe at any given time. So you drink it, everybody cheers, you kiss the toe and you give it back. And I, I don't know if they wash it or. I matter. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't even matter if they wash it. <laughs> does it matter? It's in alcohol, you know? It's, it's, so, yeah, and and come on, it's a human toe. So wash it, don't wash it. It doesn't even matter. <laughs> so here's what's disappointing to me. This is disappointing to me. Because before the show, you and I were talking, and I told you I have done this. Yeah. Okay. Would, yeah, okay. But I did this in a bar in, I believe it was Wyoming. Okay, well, that's why I was surprised you said you'd done it because I was like, well, this is up in Yukon. So. I did not realize that it that that was not like the original. Okay. So that's what's disappointing to me. So now I have to go to Dawson City, Yukon and do yeah, the go real thing. A little bit. Um, hey, what, what's up with this toe you guys fed me? I know, man. Is this well, not, toe or did you like order it I mean, from they like, had a thing. It was a whole thing. Com or what? It was a local tradition thing. People would donate their toe if it was ever severed or... If they died, they would, you know, donate their toe as part of the tradition. So it's a thing. And it is, you got to drink it and it has to touch your lips. And that's the rules. But yeah, it wasn't the Yukon. So that's a little disappointing to to learn that I've been duped all these years. Well, you know, I mean, but it was a real toe. It was a real toe. And I've done it. Yeah. Yeah. So at least I can say that. I mean, you could do this at home, right? You could Fred Flintstone your foot into your mouth while you're drinking a drink. Yeah, I know. I mean, I've done it here at home. Quite a bit. I'm down to only one toe left, though. I'm going to go on Amazon and see if you can find a human toe. Human toe. I bet you there's some kind of like Alibaba plastic toe or something you could buy that you could kind of have like a a sour toe night at home. I just, I go to Wendy's and have severed thumb chili. (laughs) Do you know the story? No, I don't even want, oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of taken on urban legend status now but it was a real thing that happened like i think in the 80s someone brought up a lawsuit against wendy's claiming that their chili that they found a severed thumb in the chili and then it eventually came out that they had brought someone either they or someone they were related to had severed their thumb like on a lawnmower and they decided they would bring it and put it in that chili so that they could sue wendy's and make millions of dollars. That was their plan. So I'm assuming uh, the plan didn't work as planned. Not once the actual facts came out, but the damage was done because for quite a while there, that was oh, it was know, a PR thing. That was yeah, the yeah. study. The, you know, that was all the rumors and and things kind of spread around. So no, and I've heard of like thumbs and Coke cans and things yeah. like that, which I, I don't know if that was an old wives' tale, urban legend thing, but I've never found. I drink a lot of cans of soda, and I've never found any human appendages. Maybe fingernail every now and then, but I don't, you know. I don't know if it's mine or you found a fingernail in your drink. No, well, I have not found any human leavings. No, in any of my beverages. So. Well, you so I've I've actually got some personal Knock experience with this, kind of. I mean, you know, associated with. So I, you know, as many of you know, if you've ever seen the shape of my body, you know that I'm extremely athletic. 
Uh, by the way, yes. we're joking now. This is a hashtag. Yeah, it's para- a style. paragon of male fitness. <laughs> Regardless <laughs> of my fitness or lack thereof, I was in a men's soccer league for a long time. We were in an over 30 men's group. Our team name, which I take full credit for, I, I'm very proud of this, was Manchester Hair United. Yes. Uh, amazing. <laughs> we even had like MCHU jerseys made and it was fantastic. So we play indoor soccer. It's Colorado Springs. And so year round, so it's indoor and there's two big fields and, you know, really, really nicely done. And they had plexi shields all the way around these fields, right? Um, so you can kind of you can watch from outside without the ball hitting you in the face if it goes out of bounds. And so, but the, the problem was in between when they first built this place, we'd started on day one. These plexi shields had g- gaps between them, really, really tiny gaps because that's just how they mounted them, you know, with metal on the top and bottom. And then yeah. there were little tiny gaps. This girl was playing and ran up to get the ball, and you know she had her hand against the, the ah. plexi. And somebody came and smashed her, and uh, it, it, it separated the plexi just enough for her pinky to slip through, uh, and then it shut again, and pop her feet no, popped off. No, now this is the best part no. of the story, Kevin Tomlinson. <laughs> no. That wasn't even the best part. Would no. you like to know the best part? I don't want to know. You know, you might believe <laughs> that everybody here had a, a medical degree and knew exactly what to do next, and you would be sorely mistaken. Not a single soul there knew what to do, but somebody had the bright idea to put the pinky in milk to take it to the doctor to sew back on her hand. Because uh, I don't know. Do they must have assumed that that's a tooth thing, right? Yeah. They must have thought that it was a tooth. And so they bring it to the doctor and this bloated milk infested finger. The doctor was like, what the I can't do anything. You just ruined the pinky because you uh. stuck it in milk. <laughs> so uh, the next time we played there was you know a bunch of like epoxy like squirted in between all of the plexi oh <laughs> uh, no no that's a true story man that happened here in town a few years back we were just all that is not called. uh that is not what i want in my head no. i just didn't know i mean i don't know what part was better the fact that like not better for her obviously but her, you know her finger popped off but the fact that they put it in milk I'm just like nobody there would have been like just just what a what a bunch of geniuses what a bunch of you guys are all geniuses I mean ice you know that's the everyone knows okay no okay the public service (laughs) announcement if you have a digit severed put it in ice and get to the emergency room as quickly as possible and then ship it to the sour toe apparently the sour toe bar if you soak it in milk just stamp. To care of sour toe bar or whatever dawson city <laughs> you've gone i have a very visceral like phobia <laughs> of losing yeah. digits or limbs you know limbs in particular but like losing a finger would ruin me honestly like oh man i make my living yeah. by my manual dexterity in my hands and so and to lose like nine or ten toes i mean i would break my heart i have beautiful feet Actually, you know what I've done? Is Prove it. <laughs> we'll pull them out right now. Let's well, see. I, again, again. Right now, one of them is not so beautiful because I, so I was trying to prepare myself for, I want to hike like the Appalachian Trail or the Pacific Coast Trail. Yeah. No, you want to get murdered. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I want to hike those though. And that is not something you just brazenly decide right. to do one day. You should right. train for that. So I was starting to kind of train for that before the move. So I've slacked off, but. And there's a trail here in Texas that I'm going to do first. It's not as long, but it is pretty long. It's like from Houston to Dallas. I got to say, man, that sounds like the worst possible way to spend like a year. <laughs> so, God, that sounds terrible. Possibly. I, I've I, driven that before, and there's nothing there. 
I know. First of I'm, all, I'm intent on doing it though to prove that I can do it. Anyway, that's for a story for a later date, but I was practicing and I had some hiking shoes, but I did not get the right size. This is a, a lesson for everyone. So you need to get appropriately sized shoes because what it did was jam my big toenail on my right foot in such a way that it caused a, we'll say hematoma. And so now there's, it's kind of nasty looking. So I got to let that grow out. That's tricky. If you do any kind of like real intense, like we've done some hiking where we had to go over a bunch of avalanche remains and hike up over glaciers and stuff. You know, you kind of, and we had a port of a couple streams and all that too. So, you know, at that time of year, the water was like 40 degrees. Right. You know, and so we, you know, obviously you don't want wet socks and all that. So we had to switch between hiking boots and like Chacos, you know, sandals. It's, it can be brutal if you don't, yeah, you don't take care of your feet. That's the, yeah. I mean, that's pretty much all you, that's 101, hiking 101, right? Take care you of know, your feet. Surprisingly, I have had less damage to my feet when I have worn sandals and done things like that for, yeah, we prefer for that. miles, by the way. Not, yep, not we like, prefer that. I mean, honestly, I think the hiking boot thing, that was just one of those, like, we didn't have the dietrist science, I think, that we have now. Like, we yeah. feet just don't need to be restricted so much. Our ankle thing isn't a, as big a deal if you have yeah, reasonably yeah. strong ankles, you know? Let them right. Free. I don't like to wear anything that has the high top. Me either. Everyone's always like, you're going to roll your ankle. I'm like, no, I'm not. Because I know I'm, how to. I'm yeah. almost 50 years old. I have never rolled my ankle. Right. And I have done some insane crap, yeah. mostly barefoot. So I'm actually okay. kind of getting into the, there's a movement of being barefoot 24-7. Yeah. And I'm kind of. Easy for us to do because normally we just walk around our house. Yeah. When I was a kid, that's the way I lived. And I had calluses thick enough that I was literally able to walk. And you and I grew up in Texas, man. So it's like every piece of grass, even the best lawn, best manicured lawn has either a rattlesnake, a fire ant pile or a thicker burr. Yeah. Somewhere in it, you know, I mean, we had all kinds of, and then you run across the asphalt and get like the giant blisters from. Yeah. Cause cause the asphalt is like 200 degrees. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly, yeah, man. I've been there. I've been there. All right, we have veered wildly off sufficiently. Course. Got um, off track. Kind of so, talking about feet, kind of. Bro. We're still talking about yeah appendages and digits. That's the oh last game. Do you ever play the game with your wife? Like, how, would you still love me if? And then like you lost an arm, lost no, a leg. I, I'm not much of a gambler, so I don't want to roll any dice there because I've told my sure. wife I'm, like there is a limit. Like if she's like a nuggy, just sitting there, no arms, no legs, just a torso and a head. Like I, I think I'm done. I'm out. Can't do it. Huh? That's my limit. Lose yeah. two legs and an arm, two arms and a leg. Like, I, I might still stick around. I don't know. I don't know. I've put up with her this long. I mean, I, that's true. Probably easier. Just- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the limit is. I one think finger. she loses one half of a. She claims finger. that in terms of her love for me, nothing would ever deter her. I bet if I chopped your head off, she'd stop loving you. Maybe. Maybe. But knowing me, I'd continue talking. Join us next week as I chop Kevin's head off. (laughs) Yeah, be careful these days, man. Anytime you say stuff like that, you know, if I happen to show up someday with my head missing, you're the first person they're arresting. Dang, that's true. Forget the fact that there's a a headless man walking around. (laughs) They'd be like, well, we'll deal with that later. Who did this? Headless Tumlinson. You know, he's always wandering around here. Crazy, bumping into stuff. (laughs) Hands in his pockets. Kevin with his head cut off. All right. Well, we probably better wrap this up quickly. Yeah. Too much fun. We have too much fun. We have too much fun on the show. I also have a lot of fun trying to name these shows. Um, Naming so, stuff know, is one of my favorite things. I have a unique talent for coming up with. 
clever names for things. Well, I think you just got volunteered, sir. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, we will discuss that offline. But uh, anyway, thanks for joining us. Well, we hope you had a good time. I hope you're all sufficiently disgusted and repulsed by just all of the top. I mean, the hollow earth theory, just whatever repulsive top. The entire second half of this episode. The second half tuned five, out. You know. <laughs> oh, toe. All right, I'm out. <laughs> sure was interested in that hollow earth thing. No, no, no. The hollow earth theory. That's the repulsive one. Uh, toes that's are fine. the one. That's the one. Anyway. All that's right, well, the we'll one look. you found implausible. That's what gets me. Like, <laughs> that one's implausible. All right. Uh, all right. Well, we will see you next week with more repulsively amazing things that are real and are also cool. And we are your hosts, Nick Thacker, Kevin Tomlinson. Go read our thrillers. Go write your own thrillers. Use this as research. We can't wait to see what you come up with. Ladies and gentlemen, we will see you next week. Real. Goodbye. Friends. Looking for a great new thriller? Check out Conundrum Publishing. We publish books that make you think. From mind-bending thrillers to heart-wrenching dramatic action-adventure novels, our books will keep you up all night, turning the pages, eager to find out what happens next. So, what are you waiting for? Head over to conundrumpub.com str for three totally free thrillers. You won't be disappointed. Again, three full-length action thrillers totally free at conundrumpub.com str.